0: Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Disclosures of taped phone calls between embattled former Prime Minister Najib Razak and a person believed to be United Arab Emirates Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Zayed, go a long way to explain Malaysian efforts counter UAE and Saudi influence in the Muslim world. The disclosures are the latest incident in what have been complex, if not strained relations with the UAE and Saudi Arabia since Prime Minister Mahathir Mohammed returned to office 19 months ago on the back of the 1MDB scandal. The scandal involves the siphoning off of billions of dollars from the government investment fund, for which Mr. Razak is standing trial. Strains in relations between Malaysia and Saudi Arabia and the UAE, the kingdom's closest ally, were on display last month when Mr. Mahathir convened in cooperation with Turkey, Iran, and Qatar, countries with which the two conservative Gulf states are at odds, an Islamic summit that did not involve the Saudi-controlled Riyadh-based Organization of Islamic Cooperation, or OIC. The OIC groups 57 Muslim countries and is the usual convener of Islamic summits. In line with the summit that called for Muslim nations to jointly confront problems Muslims face, Mr. Mahathir earlier this week, in contrast to the Gulf states, condemned the killing in Iraq of Iranian General Qasim Soleimani in a U.S. drone strike as a violation of international law. Saudi Arabia and the UAE called for restraint in the wake of the killing, but few in the two states mourned the commander's death. Mr. Mahathir's critical view of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, rooted partly in their alleged associations with the 1MDB scandal, was evident almost from the moment he assumed office. Mr. Mahathir appointed as Defense Minister Mohammed Sabu, known for his critical views of Saudi Arabia. Within a few months, Mr. Sabu closed the King Salman Center for International Peace, a Saudi-funded anti-terrorism center established together with the Malaysian Defense Ministry. Similarly, Mr. Mahathir reappointed Seri Mohamed Shukri, as head of the Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission. Mr. Shukri noted in one of his first statements that we have had difficulties dealing with Arab countries, such as Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. Mr. Shukri initially resigned in 2016 as the government's anti-corruption czar because he had been pressured by Mr. Razak to drop his plans to indict the then prime minister. Excerpts of the tapes played by the MAWC at a news conference this week suggested that Mr. Razak asked a person believed to be Prince Mohammed to assist in unidentified ways to resolve the scandal and as a personal favor, help his stepson, Riza Aziz, evade charges of money laundering. The voice of the person Mr. Razak was speaking to on the tapes did not identify himself, but was addressed by the Prime Minister as Your Highness. The MACC believes, on the basis of the context of the conversations, that the voice is that of Prince Mohammed. In the recordings, Mr. Razak advises the person that it is important to resolve this impasse with respect to 1MDB, so that we put closure as soon as possible because it's embarrassing to both countries, embarrassing Malaysia and embarrassing the UAE, as well as personalities close to you. The person rejects the request by Mr. Razak to discuss the issue in person, but delegates an associate to talk to the prime minister. He has the full authority from me, and I really, genuinely want to find a solution. It's in both our interests, Mr. Prime Minister, to solve it, the person said. It's not clear from the tapes whether the UAE actually stepped in a bid to help Mr. Razak and his stepson out of their predicaments. Approaching the UAE for help made sense for Mr. Razak, not only because of the country's alleged links to the scandal, but also because it has established itself as a financial and or physical safe haven for politicians, businessmen, and others while in office or positions of influence, as well as those who have fallen into disgrace, like former Pakistani Prime Minister Pervez Musharraf and his former Thai colleagues, Taksin and Yingluck Shinawatra. A Pakistani court last month sentenced Mr. Musharraf to death on charges of treason. Mr. Musharraf lives in Dubai, where he is receiving medical treatment. Mr. Shinawatra, who was toppled in a military coup in 2006, fled into exile in Dubai after escaping Thailand to evade serving a prison term for a conflict of interest conviction. Mrs. Shinawatra, Mr. Shinawatra's sister, followed him in 2017 after being removed in 2014 by another military intervention and having been charged with negligence while serving as prime minister. Political scientist Abdul Khaliq Abdullah, whose views are often seen as reflecting UAE government thinking, anticipating a possible change in relations, disparaged Mr. Mahathir and his election victory at the time. Mr. Abdullah focused on Mr. Mahathir's age, as well as the fact that he had forged an alliance with his former deputy prime minister and rival, Anwar Ibrahim an Islamist believed to be close to the Muslim Brotherhood, a Bet Noir of Prince Mohammed. Malaysia seems to lack wise men, leaders, statesmen, and youth to elect the 92-year-old who suddenly turned against his own party and his own allies and made a suspicious deal with his own political opponent, whom he previously imprisoned after fabricating the most heinous of charges against him. This is politics as a curse and democracy as a wrath, Mr. Abdullah said on Twitter two days after the election. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at middeastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Best wishes and take care.